What's going on, everybody? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Practical Preacher. I am your host, LeVar B. Young. All right, all right. Tonight, we have on this episode, I have a very interesting topic, um, posed a question, and um, very interesting topic on tonight is something that uh, many people have talked about, um, things that, um, I, and I don't want, this topic sometimes can be generalized, so, and we're going to really get into that on tonight, but dealing with uh, this episode, the topic for this episode is simple thing, what we're talking about is addicted to drama, that's what we're talking about on tonight, addicted to drama. Um, that's what we're dealing with. What does it mean to be addicted to drama? We we discuss this a lot of times. We, you know, we use the term loosely talking about drama queens and um, and when we use that term, sometimes we don't know exactly what we're, you know, really saying when we use that term drama queens. What are we really talking about? Um, because sometimes that's just such a general statement. Sometimes it's just a general statement. Sometimes when that's said, it's so generalized. And we try to, we kind of put everyone under that umbrella. And we always make it seem like, of course, it's a it's a negative term when you hear that used. It's a negative term. But sometimes we don't dig deeper. We don't go deeper and really understand what is being said here and how can we really address it? Can drama we know that we say some people just love to argue some people love to keep a mess because when we say that when we talk about that whole thing with drama that's what that's saying we're saying that you know some people love to be confrontational some people love to keep up mess um that's what we're saying a lot of times and what i find is um sometimes is 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 they're really addicted to it and and what i found out is that um, we generalize it, but it goes much deeper than just saying um, that someone um, is a drama queen or someone is addicted to drama. Because a lot of times there are other factors involved. There are other issues that are involved that causes um, that cause people to fall under this category that cause people to constantly seem like time in and time out um, be involved with drama there's there's something that's taking place there's something that's going on because you ask yourself why in the world do, do some people just seem like you just can't stop you just can't have peace well first of all let's examine a few things here first of all when we use the word drama like i stated that that term is used but drama means a lot when i posted this question on my social media page um some people immediately came with um, someone said, well, you know, define the word drama. And of course they start talking about, we know drama can mean television. It means play, it means theater. It means a production. It means a lot of these things. Um, it means exciting, emotional, or unexpected um, series or events or circumstances. Well, when, when we use that term, we're not talking about from a perspective of theater. I'm not talking about that um, because although it's funny that you know, drama is known for theater, which I have done before I've been a part of theater, but it's a lot of times when people are messy, as we say, or they're, you know, addicted to drama or they, they keep up drama and mess, it's a lot of theatrics that are involved in it. It seems like it's over the top. It's, it's a big thing that they do. 
But when we really examine this thing, I agree, okay, it's exciting, it's emotional, unexpected series of events. But when we're talking about drama on tonight and saying there's someone addicted to drama, what we're talking about, is it possible that some people can be addicted to stirring up mess, keeping up mess, um, keeping up arguments, keeping up strife? Um, um, gossiping, telling, trying to hurt people with words, with, with telling everyone else's business, because these are the things that fall under the category of when we saying someone is full of drama or they love drama. So that, that's the reference that we're talking about on tonight. So when you look at it, what else falls under the whole thing of drama? It's gossip. Um, some people do it. Why do, why do people do it? That's, that's the question that we really ask, you know, what is this thing addiction? Why do people do it? Why are people caught up in gossip? Um, to some people, um, this whole drama thing is breaking news to them. These are some of the things, um, comments that people um, put on my social media page when I posted the question. Because my original question, what I was asking was I was trying to see, I say, is it possible for people, people to be addicted to drama? And a lot of people say, yeah. And they say some people just love the gospel. They say some people treat it as it's breaking news. They want to be in the know. Um, some people even responded saying that it was a rush of feelings. Um, people, it's a rush of feelings for them that they feel is needed. They need that attention or they get off on tearing down others. That's the thing that really bothers me is when you have people that get off on tearing down others but let me say this i'm a strong component my pastor used to always teach and probably still do it pastor edgar aaron um shout out to him um the church that i came out of the ebc shout out to you all but i, I i'm glad i was taught it then because now that i'm pastoring myself um shout out to increase of faith ministries um i see that some people um, hurt others because they're hurting their self. It was always taught that hurting people hurt people. And if, and if you've been around any time, you've probably heard this saying before, or if you haven't heard it, there you go. Hurting people hurt people. And, and it really bothers me that you have people that are excited by the, the feeling of tearing down someone else. You have people that love that rush. They, they get some type of gratification out of tearing down someone else. So that's why they keep up this drama. This is why they want to talk about these people. This is why they want to start an argument. This is why they want to go back and forth. And now we live in a society now where social media is used for so many different things. Um, and I'm a strong opponent of saying, you know, it could be either used for good or it could be used for bad. And you have you have so many people that use it for a positive outlet. They use it to be social with others, to use it to connect with people all across the world, across the globe. People, especially, you know, during the, the time of when we were on lockdown with the pandemic, social media helped because you were able to get encouragement. You were able to reach out to people. You were able to connect with people um, that you couldn't go over their house, different things like that. So it can be a tool for good, but it also can be a tool for bad because a lot of people use it as a way to argue, as a way to virtually fight, as a way to virtually stir up mess, to keep drama going. Um, you have on social media, a lot of people that love um, sharing someone else's private or personal business. Um, they will share something to try to embarrass that other person or to tear them down and make everybody say, 
here. Look at them. They're not as good as you think they are. They're not as nice as you think they are. Um, they got all these issues too. They're just as messed up as me or even more messed up than me. You know, a lot of people love to use social media to point the finger. And these are the people that I say, it seems like there's a addiction to drama. Um, somebody else made an interesting point. They said um, the way that a person is raised, if they are raised in chaos, it says that a person that is raised in chaos and confusion, they normalize it. If they grow up in it, it becomes a normal thing for them. So as they grow up and as they become an adult, since they were raised that way in chaos and confusion and in drama, that's what they seek out. And, and I can agree with that. Um, to some regard, I can't agree with that, that many times we are a product of our environment of where we're raised. But the thing is, it's important for us to learn better. And when we learn better, we do better. But I like when somebody made that comment because it is very true. Some people are addicted to drama because they were raised in drama. They were raised in chaos and confusion. So being raised in that, then it somehow makes them normalize it. So they think this is normal. This is what life is. This is how you handle things. This is how you address things. This is what you do. And then in turns, it makes them constantly seek that out. Because a lot of times with drama, what you find when we're talking about drama, people just being messy, people always arguing, fussing and fighting. Also, what I want to point out is a lot of times we haven't been totally, we haven't been properly taught or trained on how to recognize conflict and how to deal properly deal with conflict. A lot of times we deal with conflict, especially when it's negative conflict, we deal with it in a negative way. A lot of times, you know, people have the mindset, you know, um, I'm not gonna let anybody walk over me. I'm not gonna let anybody take advantage of me. And while I understand that, and I'm not saying, you know, you should let anybody um, take advantage of you or mistreat you. But what I'm saying is that we have to learn how to properly deal with conflict, how to have conflict resolutions, you know, or you have a lot of people say, I'm just keeping it real. I'm not a, I'm not um, addicted to drama. I'm not a drama queen and this stuff. I just keep it real. I keep it 100. But is it really keeping it real when you come on social media or when you come into a situation and you purposely start a fight, you purposely start an argument, you purposely try to put down someone else or shed the light on someone else's faults, their miscomings, their mistakes, um, is that really keeping it real? Even if now, even now, some people say, but did I lie now? Because you can be telling the truth in a matter. You could be saying something that's true, but you could be doing it in the wrong way. You could be doing it in the wrong spirit, which is wrong because some truths are not meant for everybody. That's why, you know, when the Bible says, love thy neighbor as I love thyself, you know, sometimes we miss the aspect of, you know, um, our parents would say and grandparents would say, treat people the way that you want to be treated. You know, that's the way they would say it. Sometimes we fail to look at when we open our mouth and get ready to put our mouth on someone or, or stir up some drama or some strife or something like that. We miss the point of saying, now, would I want somebody to do me like I'm doing them? And, and sometimes I know there's some people that say, well, it's, this is just retaliation. You know, they hit me first, so I'm hitting them back. You know, this is retaliation. I'm doing this. But does it diffuse the situation? Does it solve the situation? I'm not saying turn a blind eye to everything. But, you know, uh, parents that are old used to also say you need to learn how to pick your battles. Everything isn't a battle. Everything isn't a fight. Everything isn't an argument. Um, some other things that I want to point out. 
when you think about when you think about addiction, when you think about addiction, what does it mean to be addicted? What is addiction? Because some people would, would believe that maybe they're not addicted to drama. They're not addicted to stirring up trouble. They're not addicted to starting arguments, fussing and fighting with everybody. Well, addiction, watch this. Because some people think that word addiction just means um, drugs or alcohol or, you know, something physical. Addiction is a is an inability to stop using a substance or engaging in a behavior, even though it is causing psychological and physical harm. I'll say it again. Addiction is an inability to stop using a substance or engaging in a behavior, even though it is causing psychological and physical harm mm -hmm. so so it's not always about substance abuse abuse sometimes it's about our behavior some people are addicted to a behavior that causes psychological or physical harm because when you think about a drama what does it really resolve drama just brings up more drama a lot of times it doesn't diffuse the situation. It just keeps it going on. I sometimes sit back and look at sometimes, you know, you get on social media and you see people arguing, fussing and fighting. They're going back and forth with one another on social media. And what they're doing is they're trying to see who has the best dirt on the person they're arguing with. Who can say something that's so damaging and so hurting that they can shut the person down. You know, that, that 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 that's that is a crazy mindset to have. That is abusive behavior. Um, that's something something psychological is going on there. And then it can cause physical harm. But you have some people that are in this space and that they are addicted to being in that space. And the reason why I use the word addictive, because some people, if you ask them, they just don't know why sometimes they go off. They don't know why it seems like they can't let something go, that they just can't let someone say what they're going to say or do what they want to do and just ignore them. Some people don't know why they always have to be the catalyst to an argument. Some people don't even recognize, they don't understand that I'm just addicted to this thing. I just, something within me, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, something inside me um, just, just, just always prompts me or push me to start this argument to start a fight to go back and forth i can't let it go it's addiction and and the problem is some people don't understand it some people don't realize that they have an addiction or because they they don't even see what it is they're doing or sometimes um people see but they don't believe it's a problem because they have, they have normalized it because it's just normal this is the way how you handle things um, some people go deal with this because of bitterness. There are a lot of things I think that bring make people addictive to drama or what keeps them stirred up with drama. Bitterness. Um, they have some type of void in their life. Um, low self-esteem. Um, uh, what, what are you saying when you say low self-esteem? Sometimes people will put down other people to take the attention off them. For example, if I have low self-esteem, if I'm not sure who I am, I'm not confident in me, I don't really like me, I have low self-esteem, so I find myself coming in a situation always having some negative to say about somebody else, always bringing out some bad about that person, always stirring up an argument. I want to tell everybody else dirt to hopefully take the spotlight off me because if the spotlight is shining on those around me, then won't nobody consider me what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with. 
sometimes it's a need for excitement. I had a lot of people respond to this question and say some people are just it's a thrill for them. It's excitement for them. And, and, and they get it's an adrenaline rush. Although it's a negative adrenaline rush, they get that excitement and that adrenaline rush from it. So that's why they continue to do it. Um, I also believe um, it could be due to some type of unresolved trauma. Sometimes people are addicted to drama because unresolved trauma in their life. Sometimes it's trauma that they're not aware of, that, that they don't realize the severity of it. And sometimes it's trauma that they're aware of that they've tried to sweep under the rug, that they tried to dismiss uh, because they don't want to deal with it or they don't have the resources or tools to deal with it. They haven't gotten help. I believe also it's a spirit. Yes, I believe that. Being a practical preacher, yes, I believe that a lot of these things are spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. Um, jealousy. Sometimes people are addicted to drama. They will keep up drama with somebody, keep up mess with somebody because of jealousy. Um, fear of dealing with your own issues. Sometimes when we have fear of dealing with our own issues, I don't want to deal with my problems, so I'm going to highlight all your problems. Too much unused time, you know. Too much unused time. abuse a lot of times abuse when a person have gone through abuse this is also a thing of unresolved trauma when they've gone through abuse it's it's sad but it's very true that a lot of times a person that has been abused become a abuser especially when it hasn't been addressed it hasn't been helped they, they haven't gotten the help from it they haven't gotten delivered from it haven't gotten any resources or tools to help them not only just cope but to get some type of resolution to move on to process it to understand it and to grow from it so when they're abused they become abusers so that's a lot of times people that addiction is there that need because i'm filling the void so because there's a void there, because there's abuse there, because something is going on now, I have this addiction where I need this drama because there's something that I get. There's some type of gratification I get from it. It's some type of feeling that I get from it. It's some type of excitement or adrenaline or it's or sometimes sometimes it's some people's coping mechanism. That is how they cope. I don't like what's going on in my life. I don't like what what was what's happening. I don't know how to handle this thing, what I'm dealing with, what I'm struggling with. So in turn, um, this drama, that is a way how I cope with what I don't like in my life. Sometimes that's what's going goes on. Let me read another comment. Let me read another comment. The wife is is make a comment. Shout out to my wife, Jennifer Young, Jennifer R. Young. She says, I think it is. Let's see. We're going to throw this up. Let's see what she's saying here. She says, I think it's a maladaptive way of coping oh we just said that coping with the feelings of worthlessness okay tearing people down makes them temporary feel better i agree because now they feel that they appear to be better than the other person but the feeling is temporary when it fades they begin to feel worthless again so they do it again that's the addiction very good that's the addiction they're truly addicted to feeling better but the way of coping is temporary and maladaptive 
I, I like that. So so let, let me get an understanding what you're saying here, because that's kind of sounds like the basis of of addiction, because many times there is a feeling or a gratitude. There's something that we get out of the things that we are addicted to. It, there's some type of um, and I know, you know, people that are in the medical field, it's like they they go all into, you know, talking about endorphins and some type of chemical makeup that the brain releases and that endorphins they give to the body and all this stuff. And it makes us feel a certain way. Uh, and, and I believe there's truth to a lot of that. So what is being said here is that what a person is addicted to is that feeling of gratitude, that feeling of better. Uh, because I feel worthless. Let me put this into perspective. Because I feel worthless, or what, what I was talking about earlier um, about self-esteem, because I feel worthless. If I tear someone else down, I start drama with someone else, then in the moment of me doing the things that I've done, it temporarily makes me feel better. But what happens is at some point in some time, that feeling is going to wear off. Mm -hmm. that, that, that feeling, whatever I did, that's going to wear off. So now what I have to do as it wears off, as it begins to fade, I want to feel that feeling again, that that feeling of better, that feeling of that my issues are not my issues, that that my situation is different. So then what I do is because I'm beginning to feel worthless again and I don't want that feeling. I want the feeling of better. Then what I do is I begin to seek out and do the same things that I earlier did to make myself feel better which is stirring up drama, which is stirring up trouble, stirring up mess. So so sometimes this is what people do, because I always question, you know, when you see when you see people going back and forth, I always question, you know, why can't you just let it go? And, you know, I, I love to be transparent uh, and, and talk about even with myself. I even had to learn, you know, and I know my wife can attest to this. Um, I even had to learn that some things you just have to let go, you know, and, and I could be, you know, uh, you know, I could be, as they say, a junkyard dog on some things. But even I had to learn that some things you just have to let go, that everything isn't meant to argue about. Everything isn't meant to be a fight. Everything isn't meant to be a disagreement. Or if you disagree with someone. If you disagree with someone, then just merely was it's OK with just saying, I don't agree with you. I disagree with you and leave it at that. If you can't come to an agreement on it, then, as they say, agree to disagree, you know, agree to disagree and just say, you know what? We see that we can't come to an agreement on this. So let's just leave this alone and let's just move on to some things that we possibly can agree on. Let, let's let's just not even come back to this because both of us strongly feel the way we do about this thing or this thing of tit for tat, an eye for an eye, you know, you know, oh, they said this about me. So now I have to come back and say something about them. You know, a lot of times this is something that people deal with, that people uh, struggle with. And, you know, and what, what I want to do right now, what I want to do is I want to bring what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring my lovely wife on and she's going to join me in this conversation. So on tonight, she just want to come in with her audio. I want to welcome my wife, Jennifer R. Young, to the show. Come on, let's give her a hand. Welcome her to the show. Thank you for joining in, for clicking in. Um, how are you, first of all, tonight? I'm well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. 
I know somebody's saying y'all so funny. So, so I, I'm so glad that you jumped in because I, I know that you have a lot to say about this topic. Um, so what would you like to add about this? Because what we're talking about, once again, is addicted to drama, being addicted to drama. Because we see a lot of times people that go back and forth, especially on social media, go back and forth. I mean, everything is a fight. Everything is an argument and everything is always I have to I have to dog you out as as much as I can to get you to try to make you shut up. And then even after you shut up, I'm going to keep going. What is that? Right. Um, I think it comes from a lot of different things. I, you know, you pretty much you summed them all up already, really. Um, it can come from a family history. Um, of how people deal with conflict. Um, it can come from, uh, you know, it's a spiritual thing. You know, it's that low self-esteem. It's it's a lot of different things, but, um, and, and it comes from too, what we see, you know, they feed us this. You know, we were talking about, well, earlier you were talking about, you know, I'm not talking about theatrics. I'm not talking about, you know, TV, but the reality is even in that, you know, these so-called reality shows, these scripted reality shows are full of drama. They're full of um, drama. They're full of um, conflict. They're full of negativity. They're full of uh, the back and forth and people having to get revenge. And, you know, they don't they don't really show you uh, practical ways or they don't show you the proper ways to really deal with conflict. They don't show you um, how to resolve conflict. It's nothing wrong with conflict. Conflict is healthy. You know, um, some conflict is healthy and how you deal with it. But in these shows, it's full of conflict, but none of it is is healthy resolutions that we see. And so we believe that that's that's how life is. We believe that, that that's just how life should be. So people that don't know better. This is how they respond, because they think they are uh the, cl the clap back is what it is. You know, they're clapping back. Right. They're doing this thing. They're getting the last word. Um, they're going to one up somebody. They're going to hurt. They're going to say more about you than you said about them. They're going to lay all your stuff bare. They're going to, you know, they, they say all of these things um, because they haven't been taught properly how to deal with conflict and social media, you know, media, television, things like that just promotes it. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I grew up watching soap operas. Soap operas were full of drama. Soap operas were full of drama. And it seemed like they the issues never got resolved. Years later, they still be arguing about the same stuff. I could turn on, well, I don't even know what soap operas are still on, but I could probably turn on the soap opera now. One of some of my favorites were, you know, All My Children and One Life to Live. I would turn those on and I would go away from, cause you know, in the summertime, you got all the time in the world as a kid to watch TV, right? But then right. you go back to school. I could come back next summer break and they still be arguing about the same stuff, you know? <laughs> um, because they don't teach you uh, ways to deal with conflict. That's not what it's about. It's about it's about the excitement of it. It's about the, you know, ooh, who told who off and who got the last word and who made who feel stupid and things like that. So I think that it's just a combination of a lot of things, you know. And when we have um, families that don't deal with conflict well, don't deal with conflict at all, or deal don't deal with conflict well, those are two different things. But when we have families like that. Um, we breed 
children like that and they grow up to breed mm-hmm. children like that and they grow up to breed children like that until somebody breaks the cycle. Mm, that, that That's good. I like the fact I want to bring out something that you said. I like the fact that you brought up um, television, what's on, on, on TV, um, these scripted reality shows. That That's very funny to me. It's a reality show, but it's scripted. So these scripted reality shows, um, I've always been kind of bothered by a lot of these shows. I've watched a few because, you know, just to see what the hype is. And and I'm not going to lie, a lot of them I've been highly disappointed with, especially those with me being an African-American man, with those that um, so-called shine a light on our community. And they always show the black woman show that she's always argumentative. She always want to fight. And Correct. that's all her her and her friends do. They shop, they drink wine, they fight, they spend money. They, they you know, always arguing and fight. There, there's no getting alone. There's no, where's the encouraging one another? Where's the building one another? And what I really hate about these shows is because it does teach those that watch it either outside the community or inside the community. It gives them, a, it paints this false picture of, this is this is how we are and this is how they are and and and, and it what it does is it promotes it promotes the cycle of bad behavior it promotes right. the cycle of not dealing with trauma it promotes the cycle of mystery of hurting people hurting people you know right. and th- there is no resolution so that's why a lot of times i don't watch these shows anymore i don't support them you know while i'm i'm glad that the people on the shows are making money and are able to provide for themselves and live a nice life if they're living a nice life. And you will even find out that some of them are not even like the way that they show them on the show. But I just hate that sometimes you have people and especially a younger generation that looks at this stuff and looks for inspiration and, and, and looks for it as an example. And then somehow they falsely think that, okay, this is what it is. And they become addicted to drama or because they already had some slight um, um, some slight addiction to drama, it furthers, it keeps them addicted even longer or it makes the addiction even stronger and greater. Right. And you know something I just thought about too? Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the title, reality TV. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that's what breeds the uh, addiction to drama and and things like that in real life because you're watching something that says reality tv so it's it's trying to it, it's a spiritual thing it's trying to give you a subliminal message that this is how life is mm-hmm. whereas when we were growing up and we watched television we watched sitcoms right we watch situation comedies it tells you that this is a comedy this is a this is a situation this is not real we knew it was scripted you know we, we knew all of that. So we knew basically, you know, when they show you things like you think about uh, stunts and stuff like that, and they say, don't try this at home or whatever. We knew not to try that in real life because we right. knew that it was TV. We knew that it was created for entertainment and entertainment only. Now, some of these reality shows could be entertaining. And I'm not saying that they're not. But the fact that you call them reality TV when, in fact, they are scripted shows And even if it's not scripted word for word, you're still giving them scenarios. You're still telling them, you know, what the person what the person is thinking, you know, how how they should be responding, you know, and you're giving them like you're painting a picture 
of, of these people, of this character, of this situation. You know, you want them to get hot and heated. And and you do things, uh, the producers and the directors and stuff like that of these shows, they do things intentionally to create more drama, to create more viewers, to create more money. And so um, because you labeled it reality TV, people who don't, who didn't grow up in an era of knowing the difference between and even some that did grow up in the era some of some people watch reality tv in our age group and they watch it for pure entertainment and they go on with life right Mm -hmm. but you got a lot of young people younger people because we're forever young (laughs) you got you got a lot of younger people who this is they came up on reality tv Mm -hmm. this is it they came, this is this is what television is for them. They didn't have the shows that we had. And so, and that's the thing too, going back a little bit, in the sitcoms that we watched, Cosby Show, um, Different World, even right. if there was a situation, even if there was a drama or there was a conflict, it was always resolved by the end of the mm. episode or by the next episode. Yep, it was on. to be continued and it was resolved by the next episode. These shows go on and on and on and every episode is full of chaos, drama, conflict, maladaptive behaviors, just a bunch of stuff. So they think that so when people are watching this who've never seen anything other than that, they think that this is what reality is. This is what life is. And if, if my life is not that, then my life is boring. I'm lame. I'm this. I'm that. You know, whatever. And so you got that whole aspect of it. But there is a chemical thing that happens to people when they do when they um, are addicted to drugs because of the traumas that they experience. There is this chemical process that happens in the brain that literally um, changes the uh, makeup of the brain. And so when it changes the makeup of the brain, it gives them, like you said, you talk about the endorphins, it gives them that high, that drive, that like, yes, that, that, that euphoria, that feeling of like, oh, okay, everything is well, but it fades. And so the addiction is always striving for that feeling again, whether it's through drama or drugs or alcohol or substance, whatever it is, you know. That that's good. I I thank you so much. Um, and you know, I'm gonna pause for a minute and, and bring out um just you know, gotta gotta plug my wife to let you know it's just not my wife, just not on here because she's my wife. I appreciate her um coming on, but she is a professional, she is a counselor, she she knows what she's talking about. You know, she has the degree behind her, recently received her master's in counseling. You could correct me if I make any mistakes here, where her where she specialized in marriage and family. Um, also is in the process of pursuing her doctorate in it. She's a author. She has published two books, not about counseling per se, but things that can help you um, have a book by the name of Olivia's Brook, uh, which you can check out and also have a book. My kids make me LOL, which means laugh out loud for those that don't know. Um, also a minister in her own right, um, a publisher. And so many other things, but I want to bring that out real quickly. Hope she didn't mind. Had to get that plug in and have to give her applause on that. You know. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I don't mind. 
so because I want to bring out something that, that that's being said here. Um, I want to bring out something that's being said. First of all, let me back up and bring out the fact that a point that you made when you said the difference in the shows that we watched back then. First of all, that you went there talking about breaking down the sitcoms versus the scripted reality TV and all that. You know, I, I have to touch on that later. But something that you brought out that I absolutely love which is 100% true, is the shows that we watched back then, they did show some type of drama, some type of situation. They showed, um, you know, arguments. They showed disagreements. They showed trouble, stuff that happened. But what they always showed, like you said, either by the end of that episode or the next episode, if it was a to-be-continued, um, they always showed a resolution. They always Always. showed how, how, what'd you say? I said always. Right. They always show this is the problem. And some, sometimes they were major problems. They were major issues that they deal, dealt with. They dealt with drug abuse, alcoholism. They dealt with um, teen pregnancy. They dealt with rape. They dealt, you know, they dealt with robbery. They dealt with all bullying. You know, all yeah. the shows dealt with. I could I could think about Cosby Show, Different World, um, Different Strokes. Um, I, I mean, just 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 a ton of these shows, even Brady Bunch, you know, you know, both communities, both sides of it. It showed that this is how we're not going to sweep it under the rug. We're going to deal with it. And this is how we came up with a resolution. That's why, to tell the truth, there are a lot of old shows that I still watch. And I absolutely love the shows that have, a, you know, a spiritual or biblical undertone under it that will throw a scripture out there on you or, or will act it out in life, will show you what it means. So it always yeah. showed a resolution. But when you watch a lot of these shows now, where is the resolution? There you know, is none. <laughs> not only you're right, there is none. All they showed, the, they resolved it by fighting. They exactly. resolved it by hating on one another. They resolved it by saying, I just ain't going to have nothing to do with that, that person, you know, and use curse words and all that stuff. And then it goes right into another major drama, you know. Yeah. Or, or, or they put the stamp on and they say, oh, just ignore them because they're a drama queen. And yeah. I admit that sometimes we have done a big disservice to people by just labeling them as a drama queen, male or female, when we haven't taken time to address the issue that there's something deeper there. There is something that's driving this person to be this way. There is something that causes this person to be addicted to this behavior, even though it's a destructive behavior. Because people see, and I guess this is what I question, and and, and this is when I'm going to have you put on your counseling hat uh, just a little bit here. You know, you could build a practical preacher later. Um, I get but I'm going to this is the thing that would get me a lot of times is that the person that's um, that's behaving in this matter that has this behavior. They see the negativity that it brings and that it stirs. They see that it turns people against them. They see that um, it, it, some of their close friends or loved ones, it caused them to be disinvited to functions. It caused them to be kind of shunned. But for some reason, they continue that same behavior and with an expectation of a different outcome. What is that? You know, I think that, um, I think it's a couple of things, but I think that, okay, let's say the person that is causing the, the, the drama that's now the black sheep or now mm-hmm. has been ostracized or whatever from the family. Um, a lot of times what they're looking for is the apology they never got. Mm, what okay. they're looking for 
and you know, this is just my opinion. Um, and from what I see, you know, with, with people that I've dealt with, you know, clients and stuff like that, a lot of times people are looking for, they're looking for someone to say, you're right. You were right. They're looking for someone to validate their feelings. They're looking for that. And, and until they get that, they keep on that same pattern because they don't know how to let it go. You know, they don't know how to let, you know, you know, even when I keep going back to when we were kids, but that's all I know is when we were kids and you got into uh, a disagreement with your siblings or with your cousins or with people on the block, your parents or whomever the adult was made you apologize. Mm -hmm. And they made you resolve it in that moment. And then you all moved on and you were friends again or you played together again. So we have this expectation that people are going to always apologize in order for us to move on. We have this expectation that somebody's going to say, you know what? I was wrong. You were right. And that's the only way we know how to move on. But the reality is sometimes either people don't. First of all, sometimes people just are not going to apologize, period. Right. (laughs) second of all sometimes people don't even realize the magnitude of what they did they don't realize that you're still holding on to what they did they don't realize that um it had that type of effect on you and so you're harboring these feelings and so you keep doing things out of your hurt feelings because you're looking for an apology or because you're looking for somebody to say you are right. Well, you very well might be right, but you can only control your reaction to what happened. So even if they wronged you, is your response right? You know, and so how long are you going to hold on to they hurt me? You know, and so I think that I think I think people don't care because they feel like it's, it's like a perpetuating thing. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing. It's like, you know, nobody likes me. And then I act this nasty way because I think nobody likes me. And it forces people to push me away. And then I say, see, nobody liked me. Mm-hmm. But you don't see where you can break the cycle. You can stop your behavior. It's about the way you process things. It's about the way you think about a thing because your behavior is influenced by your thoughts. Mm, Okay. Your behavior is influenced by the way you think about a thing. So if you think, if you always think that the only way to handle this or this person is out, out to get me or this person doesn't like me and I need to prove this. I need to prove that I'm right. I need to prove that I'm the better person. I need to prove, you know, if you always have that mindset, then your actions are always going to dictate that your actions, your response to everything. Or sometimes it's not your response. Sometimes it's not a reaction. It's just you. This is how you are. This is how you've become because you just refused to think about it in a different way. Maybe that person was having a bad day when they hurt you, mm. you know? Maybe that person uh, looks at you as someone that they could never be like, you know, that they maybe wanna be like. 
you know, or maybe maybe you don't realize they, they might have waved to you in a grocery store across the aisle. And because you didn't see them, you didn't wave back. So then the next time they saw you, they like rolled their eyes because I know you saw me in the grocery store. All you see now is that they roll their eyes. You didn't see the behaviors before that, you know, right. so it's just about the way it's about the way we the way we think about a thing, you know, um, the way we process things and then what in turns dictates our behavior. And then the other thing is like, I like to look at things from like, what's the emotion really behind? What's the emotion underneath that behavior? You know, what, what, what really is going on? Because anger, anger is a, is an emotion, but there is something usually underneath the anger, disappointment, hurt, um, mistrust, sadness, um, insecurities mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of things that can be underneath anger that we don't ever want to talk about because the, the go-to is anger the acceptable thing is anger who can I tell that I'm disappointed who can I tell that I'm hurt who can I tell that I'm sad but I could show the world that I'm angry you know right that, that that's 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 good something i, I want to ask some i'm going to go back to and then we're going to move back forward some that i wanted you to bring out from a counseling standpoint because the word that you use because once before one of our um, listeners and viewers asked um the question of what does maladaptive behavior mean um because they stated they had never um heard that before so from from a clinical standpoint i want you to to define that um, for the listeners. So um, anyone that's not familiar with that will understand what that means and then we can move forward. Maladaptive in layman's terms means uh, unproductive or wrong. So, so there's different ways to cope with a lot of different things. But if it's going to be counterproductive to growth, if it's going to be uh, if it's going to be more harmful, if it's not going to be helpful, if it's going to, um, it's making you feel worse. It's maladaptive. If okay. it's not, if it's not, uh, it's, it's 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 improper. I guess is a better way. Improper is what is what maladaptive means. So, okay. um, like I said, there's a lot of different ways to cope with a lot of different things. But when people choose improper ways to cope, like alcoholism or a drug drug abuse and things like that. Those are maladaptive because it puts the person in a worse state. Eventually they become, they, they end up in a worse state than what they were before they did this behavior. So that's what makes the behavior maladaptive or in, improper. Okay. Okay. So, so this, the thing, so, and I think we brought this out already and I, and I made that point, but from, um, from a therapist point, point of view from you know what you know would you say that sometimes because i'm going back to some of the comments that people um stated and um because i had one person that said yes some people enjoy the rush the feeling the need the attention or the get off on tearing down others and then so i asked them a question i said well do you think that it's possible that they are using the drama to fill a void in their life and the person said definitely is, is is it also possible from a clinical standpoint, from a counseling um, and therapist standpoint, that we can possibly use that behavior or be addicted to drama because we're using it to fill some type of other void that is in our life? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, um, and you and I had this conversation before, um, when we have voids in our lives, we're trying to fill that void. And usually we're trying to fill that void with something similar to the thing that we, the void is there, uh, is, is a result of. So let's talk about relationships. When -hmm. people don't have right relationships with, um, with with their parents or something like that um there's a void right and depending on why they don't have the right relationship with their parent um that that is a trauma you know it's not just a void it's a trauma that's Mm -hmm. that's traumatic your parent is your caregiver you know your parent is your is who you trust first right and right. so that trust has been broken. Now there is um, some issues of abandonment. And, mm-hmm. and and now you don't have the proper relationship with your parent. So you try to fill that void by, um, by doing things, again, that are maladaptive, uh, that make you two things. Not have to, you said this before, not have to focus on what's going on in their life, you know, their, their reality for real, you know, um, the void that they're feeling, they don't want to feel that. So let me do something else. You know, it's almost like procrastination to healing, you know, Um, because as long as I do something else, then I don't have to deal with this Mm -hmm. as long as I, and so whatever that something else is for some people that something else is keeping up drama because now I'm not the only one broken. I'm not the only one that's going through. I'm not the only one that don't have great relationships, you know, and you can look at the patterns of what people um, like on social media, you can look at the patterns of what people post about um, when they're like clapping back at people and when they're whatever, whatever, it's usually the exact same thing they're going through. Mm, okay. okay. It's usually the exact same thing they have avoiding so if I'm talking about you and how you suck as a parent and your kids don't like you and blah, 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 it's usually because maybe that's my reality. Maybe my parents sucked as a parent and I don't like my parent or maybe my kids don't like me or whatever. They usually because people um, project is what I'm trying to say. Okay. People I project whatever they're dealing with there, they project their feelings. You're going to, that's the thing. We try to run from our feelings and we try to run from dealing with stuff, but whether you deal with the head on or whether you deal with it in a roundabout way, you are usually still, you are still really confronted with your own stuff, whether you're projecting it onto somebody else or whether you're sitting quietly and dealing with it yourself, you know, you and the Lord, uh, or a therapist or whatever your means is, you are still, it's still in your face. You just gonna project it somewhere else. You gonna say, no, get it off me. When you feel it, get it off me. Let me put that on to somebody else. Mm, okay. I, 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 I understand that. I like how you brought that out. So a lot of it you're saying to make, make sure I have this correct. A lot of what you're saying is a lot of times when people do that, they're just projecting possibly their own situation. Absolutely. Kind of like Absolutely. I was saying earlier take the spotlight off of me and and put it on someone else 
And, you know, it's funny that, you know, I understand what you're saying there, but it's amazing how, you know, let's say if I'm going to use myself, for example, if I'm going through a situation where I feel like I have a broken relationship with my kids and and I feel like I'm not a good parent, but yet I get into it with someone and I bring out that they're a bad parent and blah, 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 all these things that I'm dealing with, you would, you know, you would think that because of my situation or what I'm going through, that I would have some type of sympathy or, or, or some type of compassion for the next person that I see that's in the same situation. A mentally and, healthy person would. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. Some, so, people, some people, some people don't, you know, if they're, if they're broken, you know, emotionally and, you know, spiritually and all of those other different ways then they're not thinking like that i got you and there's something else that you brought out that made me think about something when you say that sometimes people are dealing with when that trust is broken with parents and this is people that you know they say you know people that have daddy issues or mom issues you know and and i i've come to believe that sometimes i believe for some people unfortunately um the trust was never established in the very beginning you know absolutely and, and that's and I'm not just talking from a from a standpoint of those that have gone through adoption or raised up in foster care, even some that have been raised up in the home with maybe even with both parents. Sometimes there are some things that have happened, some some traumatic things that have happened that um, that the trust was never established in the first place, um, because one of one of the comments that I had when I posted this up on social media, which I agree with. Um, what was said to me, they said, if people grew up with chaos and drama, they view it as normal and seek it out. So they normalize it. And I said this earlier, they normalize it and seek it out. Is that from a um, clinical standpoint, would that be a true assessment? It is true. But one thing I want to say, I agree that sometimes the trust, it almost, it, it sounds like we can say the trust was never established in the first place, but I want to disagree a little bit. The reason okay. why I want to disagree a little bit is because babies don't know not to trust. Well, I got you. Yeah. Right. We come in the world, babies come in the world trusting Mm -hmm. The first person to hold them the way, you know, and I'm, you know, a little personal story. But when when we had Olivia and they took her uh, over to um, clean her up and things like that, and she was crying and all that. And you put your hand there, you put your your hand down there and she grabbed a hold of your finger. That was trust. Yeah. She, she trusted crying. you day one. So. It could be at an early age that the trust is broken, but we come into the world trusting. Mm, okay. Because we don't know anything else. We know we're dependent on somebody. And when the person responds to our cry, and I'm using that word literally and figuratively, when people respond to our cry, that's the reason why we trust God, because he responds to our cry. He responds to us. He's there for us. He cares about us. And he shows us time and time and time and time again. So when people don't do that, no matter what age it is, unfortunately, kids find some kids find it out at a very early age that they cannot trust the people that they should be able to trust their caregivers, their parents, whatever. Um, so, yeah, they grow up in a home where they're now the trust has been broken, at least from the kids perspective you know, the child's perspective, and they see all this chaos. 
and they think that this is what happens in every home. Right. And so when they are out of that environment, they seek it out. Mm, okay. So sometimes, uh, sometimes, because some people grow up in that environment. And from that point on, I just need quiet. I can't deal with chaos. I can't deal with the arguing. I can't deal with the drama. And then, and then you can go to the other extreme. You can go to a very non-confrontational person who don't want to deal with nothing. Okay. Because okay. they saw all of the drama and the chaos growing up. You got to find a balance, you know? You know, I like that word balance. You're absolutely right. You have to find a balance. And and while, while we're in that vein, as they say, or on that subject with the parents, I also had a comment um, that stated someone commented and said, my mom used to not be happy unless everyone around her was arguing. Like what? And, 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 and this is and a grown woman saying this. And that's really sad, but it, it happens a lot. And, you know, when I'm in when I'm in sessions with clients, I do what is called a genogram. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions, a genogram is like a life history. It's like a family tree. But it's mm -hmm. more than just tell me the names of the people. We get into real in-depth conversations about these people and what life looked like for these people. And when you if if I did a genogram with the person that posted that, um, mm -hmm. I guarantee that mom saw that growing up. Mm, that, that that's good. I, I might have to comment um, that back. We might have to go deeper um, with that um, because what else? Um, that's not all they said. They also went on to say they typed another comment and said she would purposely did to pick fights with my father. And when she lived with me, she would say things to get my husband mad and then call my sister telling them um, that their um, that her husband was mean to her so so let me because i know this person so basically what they're saying is the mom would dig and pick fights with the father but then when the mom was living with the daughter what she would do is she would also um upset her her son-in-law her, her daughter's husband make him mad and then call the sister her other child and tell the sister well your sister's husband is, is being mean to me to stir up more drama yeah, to stir more drama and to get attention. And what she did was she called before they could call and tell what she did. Mm. You know what I mean? So she called and said, look what they doing to me. But that and that's what people say. Well, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? to You know, some people don't ask those questions, but it's, it's, it's appropriate to ask that question because not everybody's just doing something to you for no reason. Right. So if the sister had in turn said, well, well, mom, what did you do? What did you do? And if the mom was honest enough, then the sister would say, well, I would be mean to you too. Look what you did. Right. right. You well, know, you but, but if I did a family history with this, with this person, um, she recognizes it in her mom, which is great. Um, but I wonder if she would be able to go back as far as her, Usually we try to go three generations back mm -hmm. and we try to see if they can see the client can see a pattern. Okay. If the client can see a pattern and here's the tripped out thing. And I'm not saying this in this person's case, cause I don't know them, but my clients, they'll tell me stuff about their parents and we'll do genograms. And then I'll see it in the grandparents and then I'll see it. in, and then I'll say, okay, tell me what you see. 
And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, my mom, I didn't realize this, this and that. Yeah, my grandma or my granddad. Yeah. And I didn't realize blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And I'm waiting for them to see it in themselves. And they don't. Mm, Okay. Okay. I got you. They don't see it in themselves. But and it may not be the exact same behavior. But it's from the same tree. Okay. I got you. You know, it, the branch may look a little different, but it's from the same tree. You know, so I have a client that says my mom was controlling and she was this, this and that. And she was this, this and that. And it was because her dad was like that and, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, OK, great. And then I'm like, OK, so now tell me again about the whole situation with this and that. And she's like, well, you know, I just don't like when people do this. So I need to know everything and I need to. And I'm like, hmm, OK, does that sound like control to you? Oh, Okay. You know, so we are a pro- we are our parents in some regard. You know, we 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 try to do better and we try to be better. Um no knock against our parents, but mm-hmm. you know, when you know better you do better. The thing about it is a lot of people don't know better. I got you. So so it sounds like um because I I want to ask you because you know, I always like to give, you know, some um some practical uh resources or, or things to help in the situation in in subjects that we're that we're talking about just from that one example that we've given because we actually I, um two people reached out to me about similar situations with their mom um and maybe i'll i'll read i'll read this other one because both of them are dealing with moms um another person says um let's see where's it at um they stated that they had a situation where um their mom was very like was was like this let's see it's very unfortunate to have to stay okay and that and what they would even do they said sadly my mom is the person that causes the drama i stay away and i was and you know and i I said you know it's very unfortunate thing to have to stay away from someone you love due to someone something like this you know i'm just saying i hope that you all can find a resolution that will work i would be um you know so so in regard the second person i don't know how the first situation resolved but the resolution that the second person reached out to me they basically said is that how they resolve the matter is they just stay away from their mom and then they said you know then they responded to the the first person that was talking about their mom and they said sometimes it's best to stay away in order to preserve ourselves which i i do agree that sometimes we have to understand when we need rest, when we need to seek refuge. Um, we we do know that sometimes there's safety in the retreat, but I believe also that that's not really completely um, addressing it and really bringing a resolution or, or should they even be worried about trying to bring a resolution? I just think they should because, you know, it's a parent involved, a mom resolved, not saying that they're gonna resolve a resolution with everything, but something in some type of regards to, you know, because the Bible also say honor thy mother and thy father um, so that your days may be long on the earth. So, I, I mean, how, how can you bring some balance to that? How can you bring some type of resolution to that besides just I just stay away from them forever? You know, the Bible also says not to provoke your children. Yes, it do. The very next next verse. <laughs> Protect your children yes it do but but it but it's not taken away from the fact that we're still supposed to honor them yeah absolutely uh-huh. so 
you know, I think that it's, it's really up to the person. If they want a relationship with their parent, you know, then there there is a way to do that. But you have to do it in a way where your peace and your your family structure is not going to be jeopardized. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people have to deal with people in small doses, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then you have to you have to know going in what you're dealing with. You know, and I brought this out before in one of the other podcasts. Uh, I made the comment that someone told me, and I think it was excellent advice, is basically know the environment. You know, the Bible even says, know them that labor among you. Yeah. So know the environment that you're going in and prepare yourself for how to deal with that and when to get out of it. Mm. You know, so, you know, if you know that you know, and this is just an example because this is an example, the example that the, that they share with me that helped me in, in kind of in this situation is if you know that you, you know, you no longer live at home, but the family wants you to come over for dinner, but you know, the family eat late, they cook late and they eat late and that irritates you and you hungry and you starving and you mad and you like, I knew I shouldn't have came. I knew they wouldn't go. Uh uh-uh. You can't change the family system. They're not, they're going to always eat late because that's what they've always done. And you can go and be a part, but eat before you go. That way, your need is met. You get to spend time with your family. You're not frustrated. You're not aggravated. You're not pissed off and all of these other things. So that's, that's the kind of simple example. But if you apply it to the situation with the person's mom, you know, I don't know what their what the issue is. The mom is always causing misery and strife. Okay, at what point does mom do that? Mom does that about maybe 45 minutes in. We're going to leave in 30. Right, okay. You know, just like, you know, and this is also kind of a simple example, but we went to visit my brother when they lived in St. Louis. They lived in the mountains. The scariest thing was driving out of them mountains in the dark. Yes, it was. So what did the first time we were we were terrified all the way back to the hotel? We didn't have reception. We couldn't use GPS. Nothing. We were terrified all the way back to the hotel. But we learned we didn't want to stop visiting them because they lived in the mountains. We knew, okay, they live in the mountains. I Google what time the sun set. I said, okay, the sun is setting at 8.35. At 8.20, we out of here. We out of here, yep. So that we can drive back down in the light during the daylight. We're not going to wait until the sun sets to leave. They were confused. Why y'all leaving so early? The party just got started. What's going on? Y'all j- and we kind of got there late because we had a little fender bender on the way. So y'all just got here. Uh-huh. Google said the sun is setting at 8:35 and we don't want to be lost in these mountains trying to get home. So we're going to leave before the sun set. So I say that to say if they know that once you get alcohol in her, I'm just saying, if they know that you know, if we here too long, if she about 45 minutes, something happens, she start turning, she start whatever, then we're going to come and we're going to stay about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Well, we got to go. And I'm going to make that announcement before I get there. We can only stay. I'm not going to we're not going to stay long. 
we only going to come by and see you for a few minutes. We can't stay too long. Right. right. So everybody I, I, has an understanding. I like that. That is a great example. I really almost had forgot about that. And it's amazing that you brought that out because that really fits the situation. Um, I, I don't know the first because I'm not going to say the names, um, but the the first uh, woman that reached that made the statement about the mom. I don't know what the situation was there, but the second woman that made the comment about her mom, um, she did go further and explain the situation. Um, she because she's she's trying to help the other woman. She says, um, let's see, she says, did officially as of a few months ago, I've put up with too much for most of my life. I'm finished with this now and not looking back. There's no desire on my part. I wish it had happened sooner. There's a substance abuse problem involved and it's not me. I couldn't compensate for it any longer. There were issues before that. If I had a different situation, I'd be much more confident. I feel so much better these days. And you know what? When there's substance abuse involved, unfortunately, that's the best thing because they're not thinking and they're not behaving like a person who doesn't have a substance abuse problem. Mm -hmm. They're not being rational. So it's just going to it's just going to it's just going to cause more more harm than good unless that person is, is wanting to get help. That's the bottom line until they address the substance abuse and whatever else. And the substance abuse is a result of something else. Yeah. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like they just picked up one day and said, I'm just going to be whatever the substance abuse is. I'm just going to be, you know, an abuser of this substance. They didn't just do that one day. You know, uh, again, that's that maladaptive way of treating the trauma or whatever it is that they experienced in their life. So maybe someone was doing this behavior to this person. You know, mm-hmm. conflict. Maybe they saw conflict growing up. Maybe they saw violence growing up. You know, we have what's called uh, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Adverse childhood experiences usually breed um, their their traumas that, and it's things that we don't even recognize as traumas. You just think that's just what happens, you know, and what happens in a family or what happens in life. But there are certain things that are listed as adverse childhood experiences. And when these adverse childhood experiences happen, you are at greater risk of becoming addicted to some type of substance. Um, You are at greater risk for suicide. You are at greater risk for all of these different things if it's not dealt with properly. Mm. And so... The person's mom who or person, yeah, mom who now is like uh, has a substance abuse problem or whatever, or the person she said, whoever it is, it's not her. The substance abuse that's involved is a result of a trauma that was never addressed properly. Mm, Right. But that doesn't excuse it. It explains it without excusing it. And so what they have to do at that point is what they're doing. Stay away until that person is ready to um, deal with their with their problems. Mm. And and and. They they're not obligated to, but even in substance abuse um, treatment. It is not. Oh, I should say it's more. uh, 
effective when the entire family is being treated. Okay. So so you're saying it's more effective when the when the family is getting counseling or getting help along with the person? Correct. Dealing with Correct. substance. Okay. So the the person who is who has a substance abuse problem um absolutely needs to deal with the substance abuse and most most therapists won't see a person who's actively dealing with substance abuse. Okay. Right? Just like domestic violence. Nine times out of ten, a therapist won't see um, a couple or a person who's actively participating in domestic violence. So, but back to the substance abuse. But explain that real quick because I don't want to just brush past it because it may be someone... That's, that's listening to this or will listen to this that I hear that and think that there's no help then if a therapist won't see them. So just explain that little small part, the reasoning behind that. The reasoning behind it is because if the behavior is still there, the person is not safe. Their safety is number one. Got you. Their safety is number one. And so if we, we can't, it's like, you know, it's like the hierarchy of needs, right? If you don't have the basic things that you need and safety is one of them, then I can't work on your mental health. Gotcha. I can't work on your mental health if you're homeless. Not not that you can't see a therapist, but I need to get you shelter. I got you. I need to get you food. I need to get you clothes. I need to get you resources. I need to get you safe. So I need those things have to be a baseline. Um for any therapist, it's not that they will just cut them off and say, I can't see you, but let's get you safe first. I got you. So address the immediate need first. Address the immediate need. Got because you. if you if you if the immediate need is not addressed, okay, you come and you have this great therapy and there's all this stuff that we processed and everybody's crying and we it was deep and you know, and then you walk out and you're still homeless, then what? Right. You know, I, I, I agree with that. That's something that I've even said from even from, you know, a pastor, a preacher, a minister standpoint that even a lot of times and this is no not per se on the church. But a lot of times, you know, you can throw all these scriptures and everything at a person. But if you're overlooking their basic need, if what is their it? need? The Bible says the Bible says Come if on. you see your brother in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Right. You can't see a person in need and say, "Okay, but let me uh, give you this scripture. Let me pray for you. If you can meet the need, meet the need. Right. You have a loaf of bread that you can spare and you see someone under both arms, under both arms. Right. Don't tell them I pray for you. Give them one of them loaves of bread. Exactly. Give them both of them because you got enough to go get some more. Exactly. You absolutely right. Give them both of them. And don't say I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you after I get home, but I'm going to give you this right now because this is meeting the immediate need that you have right now. Exactly. And, and, may, exactly. and watch this. Let me help somebody that may may want to argue against that. Maybe they already prayed and their prayer was, Lord, provide. And you come alone and the Lord say, I'm going to you the provision. Right. You the provision. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely a big component of that. And it was something that, you know, you know, um, this isn't a um, for, listen. This isn't a Bible study or church service, but the practical preacher. We believe that the Bible isn't just stories, but a practical guide for everyday living. So, in in, in regards to that, and something that you said earlier, even when you go look at like Second Timothy, 
um the second chapter starting at the 22nd verse and going on down to maybe like the i don't know the 26 or something like that you know paul was even telling timothy a little bit of how to um because we made mention of people that will run from the situation or dismiss themselves from a situation well paul even told timothy in there that you know some things you're gonna have to dismiss yourself from that you know sometimes there's safety in in fleeing from situation because it even says you know 22 it says you know run from anything that stimulates useful lust say you yeah. know why, why put yourself in harmful situations and and even going into the um one of my favorite ones going into like the 23rd verse it says again i say don't get involved in foolish or ignorant arguments that only start fights i'm reading yeah. this from like a new international version because the king james used all those dust and dials but yeah, it says again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. When it says teach effectively and let me help some, you know, some some maybe some preachers or some teachers, some counselors that may be in this. A lot of times we be so keen on trying to teach somebody, you know, right from wrong, as we say, you know, think we know it all sometimes. We're just trying to teach someone the right way. But what we have to understand if you have the wrong spirit about it, if, if, if you teach them with anger, you teach them with strife, you mad at the person and you address it in that way, you're argumentative with the person, you want to argue the facts, you'll never be able to teach anything. And that's what exactly. Paul was telling telling Timothy. You're not going to teach with a nasty attitude. You're not going to teach with starting arguments. You're not going to be able to, even if you're right with something, you could be given the right information, but giving it the wrong way. This yeah, is for people that like to argue. You know, yeah. and it, you know, it was a saying: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, absolutely right. And that's what that's what anybody. But so it's like, and 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 I want to address too the you know the honor thy mother and father. Mm. You don't have to be dishonorable to to stay away. That that doesn't right. that doesn't equal dishonor. You know, maybe right. I'm staying away so I don't disrespect you. Maybe right. I'm staying away so I don't dishonor you. You know, I'm staying away for both of our safety. Exactly. You know, because if I stay in this and I've been in this all my life, if I stay in this, it may not go so well for one or both of us. So mm. I might have to walk away. I might yeah. have to stay away. But again, when a person is ready to to get counseling, real counseling, when they, they when they get help with their substance abuse and they're clean and they're doing well, they're going to want to bring in that family. Okay. They're going to want to bring in that family and that's something for this person to think about. You know, I'm not obviously it may not be happening tomorrow, but you think about in the future if you would be willing to go in support um, and not just for this person's healing, but for overall healing for the entire family. Um, they even have uh, Al-Anon, uh, and that's for um, basically um, people who whose uh, family members or spouses and things like that deal with substance abuse. So it's for the it's for the other people. It's not for the person that's dealing with abuse. It's for the family of the people that are dealing with abuse. Exactly. The, the exactly i got you. that's that's good I'm, I'm glad you brought that out so let let me try to get to a few um even though we've given a few practical things but let me pose this question um 
to the, for the ones that may feel as if because I have a few comments that say, look, I just distance myself. I don't go around them. They don't come around me. And now I feel much better. I'm in a better place. I'm in a better space and all these things for the person that feels that way to say, OK, I feel at this point now I don't have to do anything else because I've separated myself. So now I feel much better. Will you say that is that enough? Uh, or are they or are they in some it's way not enough it's not enough okay it's not enough and the reason why i say it's not enough um that's basically a cut off mm -hmm. and just because you cut something off don't mean that you've dealt with it okay now if they have processed it you know maybe in therapy or even with themselves with the lord if they've processed it and they've made a a, a, um, a healthy decision to no longer, um, you know, deal with this person or whatever, then that's okay. Then, yeah, that's enough. But if you just said, that's it, I'm done, I'm not dealing with them no more, that's, you know, whatever, that's considered a cutoff, and cutoffs within themselves are unhealthy. Mm, it okay. may be necessary but there's something that goes along with that cutoff. Let me process this. Because it's still there. It's still there and it's still going to be there. And yeah, you may have, you know, more happy days than not. But it's still there. It still comes up. It's okay. still because it hasn't been dealt with properly. Okay. Got you. Thank you for that. Mother. I got, an, got another one for you. I'm going to give you a, a couple more and then I'm going to um, wrap it up and give some some other practical things that I have down. I'll give you an opportunity to give some practical things and then we're going to um, get out of here. So let me ask this question for the one that is addicted to drama, whether they whether they realize it, whether they want to admit it or not. But let's say the person that stirs up this drama that's always just surrounded by their name is always in something. They're always in arguments. It seemed like with everyone, but deep down inside the, the, the people that they argue with, um, let's say that underneath the reason why they always argue with these people, because they feel hurt by these people. Really what it is, is they want to express what's, what's really on their heart, mm -hmm. not just what's on their mind, but really what's on their heart. Let's say, okay, I have, I have daddy issues have issues with my siblings, have issues in relationships, all these things, all because all these broken relation, relationships, and I feel like I was never properly loved, or I feel like people don't really understand my heart or want, not willing to hear me out, or they're holding my past mistakes against me. For the person that feels that way, that, 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 that is their story. How, and if it's possible, how do they begin to maybe approach these individuals without the drama to let these people really hear and understand their heart and not just, you know, see their irrational behavior. What can they do? They're going to have to, and we talked about this before, um, they're going to have to give that person time. Mm -hmm. Really? They're going to have to give that person time because just like you still heard about some things or whatever, you know, talking about this person who's causing a drama, just like you're still hurt about some things. They're probably still hurt about some things. And you can't really put a time limit on someone else's healing. But the longer you procrastinate the healing process, 
you're no longer going to be healed. Now, what you can do, you can't control the other person and you can't control how they respond to you. The only thing you can control is yourself. So you have to go and get help for yourself. You have to process things for yourself. You have to figure out what your role was in the whole thing. And you have to um, you have to be able to be okay with with what happened. You have to forgive them whether they whether you can talk to them or not. You have to forgive yourself for your role in it. And then you have to just really it sounds cliche, but you're going to have to go to God and ask God to provide an opportunity for you all, you know, to have a real conversation where there is no anger and there is no uh, no um, conflict and all of this animosity going back and forth between you. The Bible says if you find fault with your brother, go to him. You know, but you have to be you have to you have to make sure the environment is conducive for you to go to him. And the only person that can control the environment is the Lord. Right. God is the only one that can control the temperament of the environment. You know, so once you are healed, because the thing is, you can go you can have the best intentions. You can have the greatest intentions and you can go to them in the softest manner. But if you're not completely healed, they're going to say something that's going to trigger you. And right then and there, you're going to go off. Yeah. And they, and then it's going to be like, see, I knew you. Want, and they may even do it on purpose. Sometimes people push your buttons on purpose because the button is there. You got to remove the buttons. That's what you got to do. Why is the button still there? It's amazing. You just you just touched on one of my points that I was that I was going to bring out. But that's that's good. One one, one more thing that we kind of alluded to, but want to see how do you because we we both talk about this a lot of. Um, uh, and it's funny, we're in overtime right now, just so you know, um, we, we both touch a lot on, you know, how do you deal with uh, moving on or, or, or processing the apology that you never got? Because as we as you talked about earlier, that a lot of people are dealing with the fact that they're expecting they have the expectation for an apology or to be told, you know, you are right. And it, it doesn't happen. So now they're angry and they're upset about that. And then that stirs up drama, that stirs up conflict and all of this. So how do you begin to move forward or what can you do from a practical standpoint to address the fact of the apology that you've never got and that you may never get? You may never get the apology, but what really people, what they're looking for in that moment, they're looking for validation for their feelings and they're looking for, um, they're looking, they want to be seen and they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not just plugging therapy because I'm a therapist, but therapy is a great place for that because Mm -hmm. it's unconditional positive regard. We're going to validate. You know, now don't get me wrong. We also challenge, you know, it's our job to still challenge as well. But if you come in therapy and you say this happened and that happened, the validation is that I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Wow. That must have been painful. Wow. I can understand why you're so hurt. Oh, but look at you. And then we point out your strengths. Look how strong you are. You still here. You made it through that terrible thing. Wow. That speaks to who you are. And so they need to go to therapy. 
because you may never get it from that person. And if you get it, you also have an expectation of how you want it. Let's be real. We don't just want the apology sometimes. We want it in a certain way. So if they give it an apology and they don't give it in a way that you want it, then you feel like it wasn't real. It wasn't genuine. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't genuine. Exactly. But when you process it with someone, and it don't have to be a therapist, let me say that, because everybody can't go to therapy or don't want to go to therapy, and I understand that too. It don't have to be a therapist, but it has to be someone you trust. It has to be someone you trust that will listen to you, let you get it out, and then turn around and validate your feelings. And then you have to set, you have to determine within yourself that I'm going to move on anyway. Now I can move on anyway. Now I can, I don't want to keep delaying my healing. If you think about it from that perspective, if you think about it from the perspective of as long as I hold on to this, I'm hurt. You know, it's like holding a cactus. If you're holding a cactus with your bare hands, those little things are pricking you. But as long as you hold on to this cactus, it's mine. This cactus happened to me. So I'm going to hold on to it. And I'm going to put this cactus in my heart. But that, but you know what? That's how we are sometimes. And I actually, um, I, I'm actually going to do have an episode coming up talking about when it hurts to let go of what's hurting me. You know, yeah. uh, so many of us suffer from that. It yeah. hurts us, but it also hurts to let go of what's hurting us. Exactly. Exactly. We got Stockholm syndrome a little bit, you know, yeah. you yeah. know. So, yeah. So you, you holding on to this cactus. But if you say, if I put this cactus down, my hand will stop hurting or my hand can start healing or my heart can start, start healing, you know. And we always send people back to God because that's just that's just it for us anyway, you know, yeah. as believers. God is, you know, the end all be all, He, he, you know, how we, you know, move, breathe and have our being. So at the end of the day, it still goes back to God. You got to pray and ask God to help you move beyond needing an apology. Exactly. Guess what? The people that crucified Jesus didn't get a chance to apologize to him. Never did. (laughs) You know, but guess what? Even if now, if they if they repent, well, they're gone now. But if they repented. But he said we crucify him of flesh, you know, every time we sin. So when we repent, he forgives us. Mm-hmm. You got to go to God and ask God to help you. You got to go to God and ask God to help you get beyond the thing that's hurting you. The thorn that's in your side. Something that helped me was changing my perspective about the thorn. I had a thorn in my side about something, about a situation and I said, and I won't go too deep into it because I know some folks know me and they probably know the person. <laughs> but I, I said, but this person was my friend. And my therapist, I'm a therapist and I have a therapist. My therapist helped me process it and said, okay, well, let's talk about this friend, this title that you gave them, friend. What defined the friendship? Mm-hmm. And so when I started thinking about it and I said, well, well, actually, I was probably more of a friend to this person than they were to me. Right. And they said, well, why? The therapist said, why? I said, I mean, I don't know. They just was never my go-to 
person. You know, if I had issues or if I needed something or whatever, whatever, and I needed to talk, I went to this other person and not them. And the therapist said, but why? If it was your friend. And I said, I don't know. I guess deep down inside, I never trusted them. Bingo. Yep. I was about to say that. Bingo. Because if you never trusted them, and she and we even processed that why didn't you trust them so then i brought out the reasons why i didn't trust them so let's talk about this word again this label friend this title was it really your friend even that revelation hurt but it was the truth and because i was able to rethink or redefine how I thought about the situation, the thorn, it was like, oh, really? It wasn't a friend. So now I can remove this thorn that says, but it was my friend. It wasn't. Okay. So sometimes we have to just, we have to be able to process the situation and we need somebody, sometimes we need somebody else to help us process it because we in our own head we think what we think we believe what we believe you need somebody that's not gonna just be like yeah girl yeah yeah son you right you know you need somebody that's gonna be like come on think about this for real come on let's break it down to the lowest common factor let's break it down it sounds like you're saying bottom line is we need clarity we need clarity yeah you need clarity and you need you need to be honest you need Mm -hmm. to be honest about it all you need to be honest. Sometimes we play the role in our hurt. Sometimes the wounds are self-inflicted. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be honest. You got to have clarity and you got to be willing to say that I'm going to heal whether this person uh, has a role in my healing or not. They may have had a role in helping me, I mean, in hurting me, but they may not have a role in healing me. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, I got to pause right there because, you know, I mean, we're going to have to do a part to this. I like something that you just said there, right there. Repeat that last line. If you don't remember it, because I know it came out, you know, so quick, I'll bring it out. Repeat that last line. They may have had a role in helping me. I mean, excuse me. They may Uh, have had a role in hurting me, but mm -hmm. they may not have a role in healing me. That all that is just so key right there, because I think that's what a lot of us struggle with. We think that the ones that have hurt us somehow hold the keys to, to healing also healing us and and, and, and that's not because i want to help those that sometimes some people that are stuck in this area of unhealing they think they can't be healed because the person that has hurt them is dead and gone you know or i don't know where they at period so because of this then there's no help for me there's no resolving this i'm always going to suffer with this pain not so that's true. And that, and the thing about it is that the thing that really uh, contradicts that or shows you that that you hold the key to your own healing, really, you hold the key to your own healing. Because going back to what we said earlier, even if they apologize, if they don't apologize the way you want the apology, you still going to find a reason to not heal from it. Mm-hmm. So really, only you hold the key. You you and the Lord hold the key to your healing. So. You know, it's up to you. So whether they apologize or not. And here's the thing. Let's be honest. You done hurt some folks too. Did you go back and apologize? 
to everybody that you hurt, everybody that you wronged, everybody that you talked about, everybody that you thought ill about? Did you go back and apologize to every one of those people? Then how do we have the expectation that somebody is always going to come back and apologize to us? They should, but it may not happen. Just like we should, but we don't. I could think of some people right now I probably still owe an apology to. Oh, you know? I, I, could think of, I could think of one person right now too. No, I'm playing. I'm uh, really? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> I, I'm I messing with you. I'm messing. But but we don't we don't uh, and and here's the thing. And sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes we just don't know that we've hurt that person. Sometimes we just don't know. So we don't know to go back and apologize because I didn't know that I caused the wound. I didn't know that I inflicted you. Mm-hmm. So just like. You, we don't know all the time. They don't know all the time. And here we are giving all of this power to them by saying they hold the keys to our healing. They do not. Mm-hmm. They do not. You hold the key to your own healing. You control your own behavior. You control your own responses. I'm not saying that a reflex may not want to knock somebody out. I'm not saying that. But we are not driven by our reflexes. We shouldn't be. They're knee-jerk reactions. And that's literal. When you go to the doctor when you were younger and they used to tap the little thing on your knee, your leg will kick out. That's a knee-jerk reaction. That's involuntary. We can't live life involuntarily just doing things. Right. We have to be intentional about everything. And you definitely have to be intentional about your healing. That's good. You're absolutely right. So what I want to do, I, I want to, um, I don't know, I I, I want to bring out a couple of things as far as, and then I'll give you an opportunity. A few things that I jotted down that I say that I believe are practical things that can help with a person that's either you're addicted to drama or maybe you're, you're, you're dealing with, it seems like so much drama is around you. Um, we talked about how we can't control someone else's response or how someone else acts, but we can control our response, how we respond to things. So one of the things that I wrote down is that we have to learn how to don't fall for the bait to argue. See, Mm -hmm. see, that's the thing too. Sometimes I see people saying, well, you know, they started with me, you know, I was going to leave it alone, especially when you get on Facebook, I wasn't going to say nothing, but but this person, they kept right. That that big old, but I wasn't going to say nothing. I wasn't going to let y'all know this, 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 and then they go to the post up 10 posts, in in a matter of an hour about this person that they're arguing with what we have to understand is don't fall for the bait to argue if we all know that we have triggers you know um i think you you say or somebody say they push my buttons and you know but we learned that those buttons are triggers there's a lot of different words for them so if i know that there are certain things that trigger me there are certain things that piss me off that upset me then what i have to understand that because if i've if i've have a pattern or a history of lashing out or expressing myself when those triggers are hit when those buttons are pushed then other people will begin to understand and know my my buttons too and then if they really want to get under my skin really want to make me act the fool so everybody can see me as the foolish one then they're going to push those buttons so what we have to learn how to say okay these are my triggers these are my buttons so let me not fall for the bait you're not going to get me with that one. I'm no longer going to be enticed by that. Okay, you say something. And especially if I know it's a lie or even if it's the truth or, or, or whatever. Okay, you say it. You're not going to bait me into an argument. You're not going to bait me into a fight. I, I'm not going to go there with you. I'm going to try, you know, uh, Michelle Obama, you know, 
the previous first lady, you know, one great thing that she said, she said, they go low, we go high. And, and that really takes maturity because a lot of times, even myself, there are times that, hey, I want to go low, you know. Yeah, but, I, I saw a post one time say, they go low, I'm going to hell, you know. <laughs> and see, it, you know, <laughs> you got to watch that because, see, you will, you will go to hell trying to go lower than they've gone. Yeah. Because especially when you know better, God holds us accountable to the information that we know. He say, okay, you just say you know better and and, and you're not going to do the better that you know. So you're going to be in trouble. But so, you know, it's funny, but not funny. So I say, don't fall for the bait to argue. Um, number two, I say that you have to be okay with setting boundaries. You know, I'm glad that you brought out earlier about you just can't cut people off because that's not healthy as well. You know, I believe that are, there are some people that need to be cut off, but I also believe that those pe those people that don't need to be in your life, if you allow God the opportunity, um, allow God, listen to him, then those people will be taken out of your life by God. And then you don't have to worry about that. But when it comes to our loved ones, you know, family members, mother, father, whoever, it's okay. Sisters, whoever set some boundaries because exactly. sometimes, okay. Like, like you, like you said, when you gave the example about us getting out of Dodge, as they say, before it got dark, instead of getting into an argument with you about, we leave it in the dark and you're not going to help us find our way all instead of getting into all that. No, I'll just take the responsibility because I can handle I can handle or control my own actions. Exactly. So it's brilliant to say I'm going to look up and see what time the sun set and I'm going to get out of here before the sun set so that I won't have to travel in the dark and get lost and be afraid again and all these different things. And now I have an attitude about it. And then so the next time that we see each other, then we're either going to argue or it's going to be tension or something. Right. It's going to be and tension. The thing is, you can't. And in that example, also what I just thought about, you can't change the time the sunset. You mm -hmm. can't change the fact that there's mountains. You can't change the fact that there's no reception in those mountains. You can't change the fact of how steep they are. You can't change how dark it gets. You can't change that they live there. <laughs> you know, right. the only thing you can do is get out when you can get out. Get out when you can get out right. So when set, you can still set, see your way out. Exactly. I like that when you while you can still see your way out. So set boundaries. Something else. Don't entertain gossip. You know, this is the thing too. And, and you know, and I won't completely go into that. That could be something for a whole nother segment, a whole nother show. But this is something else with people that's addicted to drama. That gossip is a heavy part of that. Whether mm -hmm. it's some truth in that or whether it's all lies, you don't entertain gossip. If you say, OK, I want to break this addiction. I don't want to always my name always in some mess. Well, then stop allowing for people to bring mess to you. And then you stop desiring to always be the one to tell some mess. You always have a desire to tell somebody else's business. Um, why don't you try telling your business? You know, exactly. it, because some people are like that. They they just feel this overwhelming urge and need to tell somebody else business. And especially, you know, they, you know, oh, I just in case you didn't think um, you, you knew this. I don't know if you knew this about this person, because and I find that a lot happens, you know, being a preacher that that happens a lot. Even after people have died at the funeral, someone wants to get up and bad mouth the person that died. Well, let me tell you, let me explain this. Help somebody that may be here that may listen to this is it really doesn't matter what you say at the funeral about that person. For one, that person is gone. The funeral isn't for the dead. It's for the living. And the thing is, the people that are there that love that person that is deceased, 
they have already formed their opinion about that person. They have already established what they liked about the person, what they loved about the person, what they didn't like about the person. So if you come in because you're bitter or whatever the case is, you want to stir up trouble, you're addicted to drama and you want to say some things to be disrespectful to to hurt the memory or maybe to hurt someone there. That's you're not going to accomplish that. Now, you may you may ruffle some feathers. You may make someone upset because of your time and how you're doing something. But everybody already know what you think they don't know or they're not surprised by it. It's not breaking exactly. news. It's not exactly. breaking news. You get up and, and get at somebody feeling talking about, you know, they had kids everywhere and all that. That's not breaking news. They know, everybody knew that. But they've accepted this person for who they were. Yeah. And, and, and at that point, it's nothing that they that deceased can do to change that. And it's nothing that the loved ones that are there. There's nothing that they can do to change the actions or the lifestyle that that person lived. So, exactly. so I say don't entertain gossip. Uh, and, and one of the last points I say is um, is one thing you could tell people when they try to come to you with mess. They try to come to you with gossip. They try to either make you part of this or you saying I'm trying to break this addiction. And, and so you have people because I've noticed too, people that are addicted to drama surround themselves a lot of times by other people that are addicted to drama. Either Absolutely. they are either they're their friends or either they're their enemies. Isn't that amazing how people that are addicted to drama have other friends that are addicted to drama and then they also have so-called enemies that are addicted to drama. So they're exactly. constantly surrounding themselves by nothing but the same individuals. So what I tell people is one thing I think that you can use, a line that you can use to get yourself out of situations like that is tell a person, say, I'd rather focus on making myself better. Well, let me just tell you this and let me, what about, did you hear about, look, I, I, I don't, I don't need to hear about such and such because right now I rather focus on making myself better, getting exactly. myself better, getting the help that I need. I don't have time, energy or space to talk about everybody else and their problems. I have enough problems and issues of my own that it was I will spend plenty of time. Exactly. I, I need some more time to deal with my own issues and problems. So I can't I don't have time to focus on somebody else's. That's what always amazes me, to be honest. I'll be like, how do people have time for all of this? <laughs> right. Right. How do people have time for all of this? Because I personally got so much other stuff going on. I just don't have time for all of that. Mm -mm. But you know what? People make time for what they want to make time for. So when you're addicted to whatever it is, you're going to make time for that addiction. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing about our addiction. Not only do you make time for the thing that you're addicted to, you make time because you will you will steal or rob time from other things that you that you should exactly. be applying time to. So that means exactly. jobs, a healthy relationship, your own mental health. I mean, so 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 many things. You will ignore the people that love you and support you just so you can go after this thing that you're addicted to and people that's addicted to drama they will spend so much time focusing on the ones that they're into it with or they so-called the ones they're haters that they overlook the one the people that do love them the people that do want to help them and then what they do is they burn out or wear out the people that's trying to help them and the people that love them because they just can't let go of so-called I'm, I'm dealing with or I'm keeping it 100 with the ones that's hating on me. Right. Right. Mm. 
So, so I'll give you, I, I gave, I gave about four practical points just now. Is there anything that you want to add as far as practical um, things that could be used to help those that are either caught in um, um, addicted, being addicted to drama, or maybe they're dealing with it. They're in the middle of it. It's around them. What can something maybe that we didn't already bring out? I think um, the one thing that I would say that I, I don't think we brought out is we brought it out a little bit is to go back to the root for yourself, not with the person that you're into it with mm -hmm. within your own self. Go back to the root of the drama. Mm -hmm. Go back to it and examine that. Examine the root. Examine, you know, what the seed was that 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 got you and then after you examine the seed uh figure out why that was a seed because mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't know why something gets to us the way it gets to us we don't know why we you know by this time it's been you know two three four five years so now you just hate this person or now you just into it with this person but go back to the root of it go mm -hmm. back to the root for yourself and examine why that seed was able to take root and then grow into what it is now. Because what you'll find, what you'll probably discover is, you know, the hurt, the disappointment, the trauma that you dealt with as a kid, the environment that you grew up in. And then you all of those things will make you reflect on you and your mm -hmm. role. And then when you say, I want to remove myself from this, that's how you'll deal with it. You'll deal with it by going to the root of it. Why Why was this seed able to take root? All seeds don't take root. And we know that from the word too. I won't go there because exactly. that's a whole other message. But <laughs> all seeds don't take root. So how was this seed able to take root? Why was the, why was the soil Why was the soil right for this particular type of seed? to take root and then what watered it right i, I was just about to go there i was about to say i know why some of the seeds have taken root yeah you know, cultivated some of them. yeah yeah how did you cultivate it what watered it what made it grow what what turned it into this big old tree mm -hmm. you know you got to deal with it within yourself that's the only thing. I know we want to go back to the person that we're into it with or whatever, or we want them to come to us. But the reality is, if everybody deals with it within themselves, it's dealt with. Mm -hmm. It's dealt with. If you deal with the reason why you don't like me within yourself, and I deal with the reason why I don't like you within myself, then the situation is dealt with. Mm hmm but I could keep coming to you over and over and over again. And if you don't respond the way I need you to respond for me to heal, then that's going to always be a trigger. Mm. And it's going to always be justification in our own mind to keep the drama going. Mm. Mm. And, and I, and I think something that, that comes to mind now, when I, when I look at sometimes people that's addicted to drama and they, and it seems like they keep on going back and forth all day long on social media arguing with someone or arguing with multiple people um it goes back let's let's look at that addiction part there is an adrenaline rush out of it there is okay this makes me angry it's amazing how sometimes we something can make us angry but we will continue to fuel that anger 
because sometimes and I can even say this in myself. There have been times that I've said that I'm not done with being angry about something. I don't want to. You done. know, that's a mess. That reminds me of Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, daddy, saying, you know, you know how angry you got to be to sit up there and take all of the lights off the Christmas tree? <laughs> right. You, right. You know how long, because it takes forever to string them lights up. And you know it's how so angry good. you got to stay? But, <laughs> but you know what? The sin is not in the anger. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Sin not. Right. You can be upset. Upset is an emotion. God gave us the emotions. He know you're going to be upset. He gets upset. God ain't going to tell us to not get upset when he has a wrath of his own. Right. But God said, vengeance is mine. So he's able. He's able to do whatever he want to do because he's always doing it from a righteous perspective. He's always doing it from a sovereign perspective. We're not. And plus, and this is the thing, I'm just going to be honest. God is the only one that he, he's the giver and creator of life. So he's the only one that can take life and raise it back up again. We don't have that ability. Exactly. And, and see, so that's the thing. So we can't, and this is why so, so many people do things out of anger in that moment of rage and they take a life that they can't give back. You know, exactly. th that's when the sin and comes in. And, and here's another practical thing. And this is going to sound real simple. Get off social media. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring that out uh, to be honest with me. Some years ago, there were times when I was upset and, and some different individuals in my city were doing certain things or I felt a certain way about something and I wanted to vent on social media. I wanted to say something. So a lot of times what I would do is to prevent myself from venting on social media, from going there because it wasn't going to resolve anything. I would deactivate my page. I would say, OK, I need to come off off for a few days or a few weeks or a month, however long it, I, I need to come off there so I don't make a fool of myself. And so I don't stir up drama. I need to come off so I don't put something out there and then see this the thing. Okay, I put it out there and I'm looking for people to ask questions to try to validate me to make me feel good about the way I feel and to support me on my side again. No, we ain't trying to do all that. Or sometimes it's just I just want to express my anger and and this the thing that wasn't a place for it. That wasn't going right. to bring healing. So exactly. I had to find a healthy way to express i had to go to god something go to god in secret say lord this is what i'm dealing with so i had to do that i had to talk to other uh, um people that have wisdom you know mature yeah. people talk to yeah. them and i had to come off of social media you needed a safe space a, a safe right. space you needed a safe space you absolutely and social right. media is not a safe space no because people it's use not. that as, the, as a venting place and it then is. They say something and then somebody respond to it and the person don't agree with them or they feel like it's disrespectful. Now, here come more drama. Yeah. Here come, you know. So that person that just needs to vent, they need the journal. Yeah. That, oh, that's, can, that's something practical. Say that again. Yeah. 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 You need to vent. Get it out in a journal. Mm -hmm. Get it out in a journal. Write it all out in your journal. Burn it if you want to afterwards. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and the thing about too, the journal is you can control who sees it. Right. You can't control who sees what you post on social media. I don't care how many blocks and all that other stuff you put on. Right. There. People will screenshot your stuff and, and pass it on, you right. know, and you can remove it off your page. But you don't know who done already screenshot it, who done and, already and, saved it. Right. And, and let me say this, too, to help some people. When you put something on social media, I don't care if it's, you know, privately, it's your page and all that. I understand. I could put what I want on my page. You're absolutely right. 
You're 100% right. You can't put whatever you want on your page, but please understand when you put something out there in the worldwide web on the internet, when you put something out there like that, you also automatically invite people exactly. to, to comment on it. Fine. And they're not going to all agree with you. No, they're not. Especially they're, they're, if their nature is combative. They might exactly. agree with you, but disagree with you for the sake of arguing. And we already know there's some people that put stuff out there, and this is once again addicted to drama. They put stuff out there to argue. I've they seen say, people let's argue. Yeah, let's argue. They'll make a statement, crazy statement. Let's argue. Right. No, let's not. I, well, I'm not. I'm. I'm going. I'm keep scrolling. Exactly. So it's just like you know. Yeah, you can't. You you can put it out there on social media all you want, but you can't be upset that. Um, well, you can be, but it doesn't make silly to be upset that. Uh, someone uh commented on what you posted and then they commented something that you don't like right you know i, I feel like that's like going and standing in somebody's face and saying something and then when they say something back you mad why did you go in their face and say something exactly don't post it if you if you want to vent and you need to get it out put put it in the journal and then tear it up burn it you know hide it throw it away whatever Get it off your chest that way. Get it mm -hmm. off your chest with, with somebody that you trust. Right. You know, that's trustworthy. Now, it ain't just somebody that you trust because you can trust somebody who's not trustworthy. That's right. Got to find somebody that's trustworthy. And then let me say this too. When anybody that's seeking out somebody, you say, well, I need somebody that's trustworthy that I can vent to, that I can, that I can share with. Understand that many times what we need starting out is we need just need someone to listen. Don't seek out somebody to agree to you, to agree with you, because that's not healing. That's not going to help you seek out somebody that is going to listen, that yes. just going to let you get it out. And then in the event, if you really want some type of solution, if you want some help, they will be able to offer you sound advice, wisdom. They will look to help you and not hurt you. But that's the thing. A lot of times people, they don't want somebody to just listen. I want you to listen and agree. Because I want you to co-sign some nonsense that I wanted to do. I want you to co-sign, make me make me feel as if my addiction is right. My addiction is okay. And that drama is okay. Right. And that's the, that's the bottom line. Like I right. said before, people want to be heard. People mm -hmm. want to be seen. They want to be validated. They want all of those things. And we can validate your feelings without saying that you're right. Exactly. Because you exactly. feel how you feel. Right. We can't change how you feel when nobody can say that what you're feeling is wrong. And, and put it this way. I could validate. I can validate your feelings. I can agree with your feelings, but disagree with your actions. That's what I mean. You're yeah. your, your, right. Your response to it to make it plain. Mm -hmm. So I can say, you know what? You, you, you're you right to be upset and, and to be hurt and all these things. But you was wrong to cuss them out. You, you was wrong to go bust their windows. You were wrong to, yeah. to put all that information on social media and, and to put private conversations yeah, uh, exactly. that, that you all have had and stuff like that or private conversations between someone else. And watch this. And I, and, and I want to, I want to say this and we definitely gonna have to wrap it up in, in on this, have to come back. But I, I, something I just thought about when you expose a private conversation that you've had with someone or a private conversation that they've had with someone else, like these people that love to do, um, what is it? Um, screenshots of stuff and share it. When you do that, please understand that not only do you destroy 
the trust and relationship with that individual, you also can damage any future trust or relationship that you might have with someone else. You know, even the positive yeah, people because it, it, it speaks to your character. Exactly. Now, now, now I don't feel I don't feel safe sharing anything intimate or personal with you. Matter of fact, I don't necessarily want you to know that I got on green pants right now. Like it <laughs> right. could be something that simple because not I don't not only do I not trust to share the most intimate details with you, I don't trust you on no level. So you don't need to know nothing about me at this point. You don't need to know where I live. You don't need to know what kind of car I drive. You know, because if somebody else get it into it with me, you could tell them the details. Oh, she drive this type of car. This is her license plate. You don't need to know nothing about me at this point. You just show us your character. Now you may you may put the other person on blast or throw them under the bus, and they may look a little bad, but you also look bad. Mm -hmm. Right. So thank you, thank you so much for you know, joining us on today. And for the listeners, if you feel like you're in this situation, you know, you're addicted to drama or, or, you know, it just seems like it's around you. One practical thing is if it is truly help that you seek, or if you want to be better, if you say, I don't want this, I want to break this addiction, you have to examine, get to the root of it, seek out some help, a person that you that is trustworthy not only that you trust but that is trustworthy so you can get to the root of it see what is the root of it is it abandonment is it rejection is it um um broken trust between parents siblings whoever it is who has broken your heart and what how do you get healing because see that's the thing you have to want healing and then seek out healing i want healing so i'm going to seek out healing ask god when we really want it, God will really give it to us if we really want it, because he knows our heart, not just what we say out of our mouth. And once again, I said, don't fall for the bait to argue, set boundaries, don't entertain gossip and say, I'd rather focus on making myself better if that's really the goal. It was so much that was said here with um hope if you miss some go back and listen to it quite a few times um right here you know on the practical preacher once again we believe that the bible isn't just stories but a practical guide for everyday living if you all have any questions or you have comments about this even if some people if you uh, want to know how you can get um jennifer young's books one of her books if you want to know if you have questions about um about counseling, about therapy, uh, when it comes to family and marriage, and also individual counseling, you can email us. Email us here at The Practical Preacher. Our email address is TPP, that's two P's, TPP, the number two, podcast at gmail.com. Once again, TPP, two podcasts at gmail.com you can email us for any of this information that you might want to obtain or if you have any topics that you would love to hear us discuss or any um, question or comments about the topic that we just discussed email us once again tpp the number two podcast at gmail.com also let you know um some are able to view this on facebook live but listeners you can now this is now the shows are available the practical preacher podcast is available on a lot of the outlets such as we're available on amazon music stitcher radio public google podcast and spotify so you can look up these episodes as uh, this episode as well as others 
on those outlets. Please go to them and please subscribe. Please. I want to give a big shout out and thank you. A very big thank you to my wife, Jennifer R. Young, for coming on the show. Uh, one day we're going to get her actually to um, come on with our camera as well. But we're glad to hear her voice, to get her insight. Um, she is a professional counselor and therapist, um, as well as an author and so many other um so so many other hats that she wears. So I'm so glad that she made some time and took time to join us on tonight's show. Uh, we will be hearing from her more on some other episodes uh, moving forward. But thank you so much um, for being a part, for coming on tonight. I thank you so much for your insight and your professional um, observation and information that you've given um, regarding this subject. Is there any last thing or question or comments that you have? Um, in regards to the show, anything you want to say? Nope. I just want to say thank you uh, for having me. Um, thank you for this outlet. You know, um, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And um, it's nothing wrong with uh, with getting help. It's nothing wrong with getting professional help. You know, we 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 are beyond the days of you know, um, just holding on and, and hoping that it goes away. You know hoping that it gets better. We have to be intentional about our health, our overall health, and that includes your mental health. So that's all. All right. Well, there it is. Please, like I always say, if you need help, get help. We all need help. We're stronger together in the Lord is one of the things that I love to say, which I definitely believe in. And so once again, don't struggle in silence. Don't suffer in silence is one thing that I also say. Don't suffer in silence. Get help if you need help and if you want help. Once again, thank you for joining in and listening to another episode of the Practical Preacher Podcast, where we believe that the Bible isn't just stories, but a practical guide for everyday living. Once again, thank you to my guest, my lovely wife, Jennifer R. Young. Thank you to everyone that has listened and who has subscribed. You can once again email us at tpp 2 um, podcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Practical Preacher Podcast. You all take care.